0: Turn this morning, if you would, to the second chapter of the book of Ephesians. We'll pick up in verse 8, and a study entitled, God's Masterpiece. Now, As we pick up these next three verses, verse 8 through 10, we are looking at the heart, the meat, the very center of the gospel message. We're looking at that which defines us as Christians. When people call themselves Christians, we are Christians by God's grace alone, through faith alone, and in Christ alone. Amen? Amen. We're not saved because we go to church. We're not saved because we belong to Calvary Chapel, South Bay. We're, We're not saved because... Your mom and your dad and your grandma and your grandpa and your great-grandfather was a pastor of some church somewhere. You were saved by God's grace alone through faith alone in Christ alone. This is the battle cry of the Reformation. And though there are some issues with Reformed theology specifically, we are all beneficiaries of that truth, that marvelous truth. That God's grace alone, a free gift to us, is that saving work that happens in our lives. Let's pray and ask God to speak to us through these verses. Father, we are so grateful for the depth of these truths. And Lord, as we study your word this morning, would you minister powerfully, God, that indeed it is for by grace we have been saved through faith. It's not us, Lord. It never was. It's your gift. Lord, bless us. Embed this truth in our hearts and in our minds, in our very lives, in the substance of who we are. We pray in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. Amen. Verse 8 here in Ephesians 2, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God. And notice what is said next in verse 9. Very short verse and a very definitive verse. It is not, I repeat, not of works. Any kind of works. It is a gift of God. Gifts are not earned. They are freely given by the giver. Amen? you buy a gift for your child for a birthday... You don't make them go out and work in the yard or, you know, go walk somebody's dog. Well, if you just do this and do that, then I'll give you a gift for your birthday. It's no longer a gift then. It's something they would have earned, amen? Actually, it would be wages, to be very specific. The wages of sin is? But the free gift of God is life eternal. Do you see the correlation? Do you understand the principle? Because as we read these verses, we find out next we can't boast in it, lest anyone should boast about it. You can take zero credit for your salvation. None. There is nothing you did that warranted the grace of God. You didn't become good enough. You didn't all of a sudden wake up and an epiphany happened. You're like, wow, I'm now saved. God's grace gift comes by faith alone through Christ alone. Jesus doesn't go to the cross. He does not die. He is not raised. You are not saved, and neither am I. And then verse 10, and this is the beauty of what happens through grace. For we are his workmanship, and we'll look at this in some detail, his poema. We are his masterpiece, his master work remember what was said in verse 7 he wants to show us off to the world as a picture of his grace working in this world amen we're his trophies so now he goes on to say don't mistake what happened here you've been saved by grace and through faith and that was my free gift to you however i saved you for a purpose and for a reason Because you are the very masterwork of my hands, you're you're issuing forth of what my heart's desire is. You're a masterpiece, His workmanship created, noticed in Christ Jesus, and for good works. You have a purpose, and we'll look at this this morning. You have a purpose for being here. You're not a mistake. You're not an accident. Maybe, like me, you were perhaps born to a, a, a mom who wasn't specifically looking to have children. Maybe, maybe your parents didn't even want you. Maybe you brought some heavy burden of family life with you this morning. But I'm here to tell you, you are God's workmanship. And you were created in Christ Jesus. You're not simply the recombination of DNA producing a new being. You were knit together and fabricated in your mother's womb for a purpose. God loves you. And God sent His only Son into this world to die for you, to pay the price for your sin, to prove that you are valuable to Him. And those good works, which the end of verse 10 tells us, were prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So much meat, so much depth here. I want to give you five, what are called the five solas, or the singularities, if you will, of the the Protestant Reformation. And the reason I'm sharing this with you is because people often become confused. So when you talk about these five things... Sola Scriptura. That means that we understand these things by Scripture, not because Jeff said so, not because some theologian said so, but because God's inerrant Word says so. We are defined as the children of God by the Word of God. Sola Gratia. It is by grace alone. Unmerited favor of God. God's riches at Christ's expense, that acronym so beautifully explaining what it is that we are in Christ. Sola fide, that we are that way because of the faith that was given to us, our passage says is a gift. You ever met people who believe that even faith is some kind of work? You know, they strain to have more faith, they, they agonize over having more faith. In essence, they work so hard at faith that faith is no longer faith, it's works. Some people work so hard at grace that it's no longer grace, it's works. Some people dig so hard like the Pharisees did, Jesus even spoke to them. He says, look, you search the scriptures because you think that in these you have life. You don't have life because of your Bible. You have life because of grace of God. In Christ Jesus. And you believe that by faith. Solo Christus. That it is through Christ alone. There is no other name under heaven whereby men may be saved. Amen? Amen. Mankind comes to faith in Christ by the work of Christ. And of gloria for the glory of God. We are God's glorious trophy cases, trophies in his trophy case. As we live out our lives, we are his masterwork. You, you see, too many people have the wrong vision uh, of the relevancy of Scripture today. And so, as we look at this this morning, we're looking at a grace gift. It's why the Word of God is so important. When you abandon the Word of God, it is the Word of God from which we find the grace of God. Amen? I understand grace because my Bible tells me that I'm saved by grace. And then it begins to work out as I understand what Scripture says. The Gospel is preached and faith comes by hearing Romans 10 and hearing by the Word of God. If we leave the firm foundation of God's Word, I I believe it is there that the church errs. We leave that foundation of God's Word. All kinds of doctrinal error enters into the church when you abandon the Word of God. It's wonderful to be environmentally conscious, but you're not saving the planet. Because my Bible says one day it's getting a makeover. It's going to be extreme makeover, Earth edition. Amen? <laughs> new heaven, new earth. Amen? It's good. If you recycle, praise God. But that's not going to save the planet, because the planet's got another problem. It doesn't know the Lord Jesus. And in fact, Paul would write that the whole earth groans because of that fact. Because though we have all kinds of things at our disposal, we have left the one thing, as we shared last Thursday. We've lost that first love. And so it is, in fact, a grace gift that we're looking at this morning. It's by grace that anyone is saved. Amen? It's not that there's different kinds of salvation. These are interesting things. When you debate with college students, they they almost have a a list of of the graces that you can be saved by. It's like, well, you know, if you know this and you know that and you understand this, all of a sudden grace itself becomes a work. If I know these principles, I understand this this specific line of doctrinal thinking that somehow that's what saves me. I've had people tell me that. I've gotten papers written as final exams. Explain to me the grace of God. and go on for 20, 30 pages about the grace of God. And they actually leave out the grace of God. Grace is grace. It's unmerited favor. It's not your self-reliance. It's not your understanding. It isn't your intellect. Those among us who have two brain cells to rub together, okay? And I'm saying that as kindly as I can. Let's just say they're the intellectually disadvantaged. Okay, There are people that you know and I know that just aren't as smart as maybe some of the other people on earth. It's grace that saves them. And to the most intellectual among us, to, if Stephen Hawking would surrender to the Spirit of God, grace can save him. It's not his brain. He may be trapped in that chair, and he may speak with a voice synthesizer, but there is one voice that preaches the gospel message, and that is the Spirit of God. Amen? Amen? Amen. So it doesn't matter how little you think you need the grace or how much you need the grace. It's still grace from one end of the spectrum to the other. You're saved by grace alone. And God gives you the faith in which to believe that this has happened to you. It's a wonderful principle, because it can save anyone, anywhere, anytime, in any circumstance. Amen? If there was any kind of work, if you had to simply understand something, there are people on this earth that can understand virtually nothing. That would exclude them. If you had to understand a certain amount of things... You'd have this middle group. Okay, well, you can make it there. Maybe you have to understand something that is so deeply spiritual that someone who only thinks intellectually, they would be excluded. So what does God do? He makes it fair across the board for absolutely everybody. He says, for by grace you've been saved. And it's through faith. And so you don't have to even worry about that. I'll give you the gift of faith. Hallelujah. Amen? Amen. So you're inquiring, friends, those college graduates... The people with PhDs all get saved by grace, not through intellect. They don't come to some mental understanding. And it's not of works. We can't boast about it. I love that. sometimes we like to feel like we did something to get saved, don't we? Maybe you don't, but I did. I remember as a 13-year-old, it's like, finally, I I remember. Because, I, you know, going to a Baptist church... Just As I Am was being sung. That's when everybody got saved. So whenever you sang Just As I Am without one plea, but that my Savior died for me, that was the time to go forward and get saved. You, you actually couldn't get saved on any other time. <laughs> you had to wait for the invitation to get saved. You see, you could even have a works that's an invitation. Look, you can get saved driving down the freeway. You you can get saved sitting on the beach staring at the ocean. You can get saved in a college class real hard. (laughs) Not an easy way to get saved. But God's grace is sufficient. He gives you the gift of faith to believe these things. It's not of any kind of work. That way you can't take a bit of credit for it. And I love that. Because if there's any other way, we're going to make it into religion. That's what we're going to do. And here's the things you got to do. You got to go to this class. You got to study this book. And oh, you need to. Oh, you haven't read the Gospel of John yet? Sorry. It's a gift. Grace is a gift that's given to you through the faith to believe. We're finally in baseball season because my Clippers are out of the playoffs. So this morning, the Lord's baseball game. I have to shift gears. See, Freddie told the Lord that he was going to observe a baseball game, and the Lord's team was playing Satan's team, and Satan's team was ahead. The Lord's team was at bat, it's one to nothing, it's bottom of the ninth, and they continued to watch. And the Lord's team is up, and love steps up to the plate, and love swings, and he hits the first pitch. It's a single, he finally gets on base. The next batter steps up, his name is Faith, and Faith also got a single, because faith never fails. Love never fails. The next batter up was godly wisdom, and godly wisdom stands up there, and he takes three pitches, and all three are a ball, and he takes the fourth pitch, and it's a ball, and he gets on base because of his wisdom. (laughs) Looks over, lets the ball pass, he's on base. The bases are now loaded. The next batter up is grace. Satan's team starts to laugh. It's like, Grace, he's a wimp. Can't do it. That's a free gift. Oh, he's going to be an easy out. Doesn't look like much. Satan's old team relaxes, squares up, crushes the ball, bounces off of the pitcher's head, goes over the fence for a home run. (laughs) The Lord explained, he said, if your love, your faith, your wisdom had won the game, you'd think you had done it by yourself but my grace is the only way you can get home. Amen. Amen? For by grace you've been saved through faith. It's a gift of God. It's not of works, lest anyone should boast. Amen? You see, that's the principle here. And it really leads to that biggest question for us of all. And it's why are we here? And that's answered really in this Next verse. You see, as we look at ourselves, we have all kinds of questions about what we're doing here and why we're here. It's probably the greatest question for most of us. What's our purpose? What's our meaning? The Greek word here is the Greek word polema, and it simply means a masterwork or a masterpiece. But it is the word from which we get our English word poem. Now, how many of you, let's be honest today, how many of you, have ever done one of those paint-by-numbers things. They were big back in the 60s. Uh, some of us older folks, we can raise our hands. They were big back in the 60s and 70s. You would go in, and someone else had, had done a painting, and then they would break it down into little tiny squares, and you would take some, some brush and, and paint, and you would paint, and it would tell you, put color one here in this little thing, okay? And you would do that. Those were hideous when you got them done, Amen? <laughs> No one would hang one of those on anybody's wall. You know, it's just like your kids do them, you go, oh, that's nice. And there's a reason for that. They're not a piece of art. They're works. You are taking someone else's piece of art, and you're doing work to make it look like you did it. And so it's the same picture as we move forward And so I can explain this to you in another little story. And it's uh, found in First Hesitations 1-1, the Jeff Gill nearly inspired version. And it's the creation account. On the first day, God created the cow. And God said, you must go into the field with the farmer all day long and suffer under the sun and have calves and give milk to support the farmer. And I'll give you a lifespan of 60 years. The cow said, that's kind of a tough life. You want me to live for 60 years? Why don't you let me have 20? I'll give you 40 years back. And on the second day, God created the dog. And God said, sit all day by the door of your house and bark at anyone who comes or walks by, and I'll give you a lifespan of 20 years. And the dog said, that's too long to be barking. Give me 10, I'll give you back another 10. And on the third day, God created a monkey. I want you to entertain the people, do flips, tricks, make them laugh, going to give you a 20-year lifespan. The monkey said, how boring to do monkey tricks for 20 years. I don't think so. dog gave you back 10. That's what I'll do. I'll give you back 10. And then God created man. God said, eat, sleep, play, marry, enjoy your life for 20 years. And man said, what? 20 years? Tell you what. I'll take my 20 And the 40, the cow gave back. And the 10, that the dog gave back. And the 10, the monkey gave back. And we'll make it 80, okay? And God said, okay. This is life explained from the world's perspective. So, first 20 years, we eat, sleep, play, and enjoy ourselves. The next 40 years, we slave in the sun to support our family. The next 10 years, we do monkey tricks to entertain the grandkids. And the last ten we sit on the porch and bark at anyone who comes by. <laughs> now here's from God's perspective and I think that's a little more important. <laughs> for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand The New Living Translation says it this way, for we are God's masterpiece and he's created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do good things that he planned for us a long time ago. Why are we here? When we think of masterpieces, maybe some of these you've seen, perhaps you've traveled to France, you've been to the Louvre, maybe you've looked into the eyes of Mona Lisa, perhaps there in the center, Michelangelo's Pieta, this incredible sculpture, picture of, Christ, after his crucifixion, laying in the lap of Mary, maybe the Sistine Chapel, perhaps uh, the Gospel of Matthew, these these incredible works of art that when you look at them, you just, how could that come from someone's mind? How does someone sit down? Can you imagine taking a block of marble and being Michelangelo and, and carving that incredibly intricate pietà? Can you imagine? Can you, can you think about how perhaps Caravaggio paints this picture of Matthew receiving uh, the angel's message from the Lord? Or maybe Rembrandt's Jewish bride. You, it's, it's hard for us who do not have any, you know, I can do stick people. That's what I can do. And so anyone who can do better than that, I automatically classify as an artist. My whole family is filled with artists. My brother's an artist. My son's an artist. My soon-to-be daughter-in-law is an artist. And it's like, this is just wrong. <laughs> I look at a big rock and I think, how can I blow it up? It's in the way. Michelangelo looks at that piece of stone and he sees Jesus laying in the lap of Mary. That's how God sees you. That's how God sees us. He sees us as a masterwork. We're expensive. We are the work of his heart. You see, you cannot teach that type of artistry. It's an impossibility. You either have it or you do not have it. And so think of yourself in that sense from God's perspective. He carved you. He carved you painted you he made exactly one of you and it came forth from his heart it wasn't something he said well i'll just make another one just like everybody else when you look around this room thousands of people here today for this service and every one of us created in christ jesus unique wonderful separate as a piece of art from the hand of god what your Bible says about you. So if you want to know how much value you have, so much so that God would put you in a display case called the church, and He would pour His artistic, His creative talent into you at the very moment of conception. He began to embed in you genetically through your DNA this person who would become you would have your mind, your looks, your stature, your socio-economic background, your place of residence, your nationality. He would have all those things firmly in view and he would say about you, you are so wonderful, I'm only gonna create one of you. There are no two pietas. Mona Lisa was painted once. You're God's masterpiece. Think about it for a second. You are a masterpiece of God. That he, in his creative ability, he said, I love you, for God so loved this world. He says, Look, I'm going to carve creatively a masterwork in Christ Jesus that is my children. And notice he did that for a purpose. He did that for a reason. He wants us to be his beautiful works of art on display for the world to see. Remember back to verse 7. And so out of gratitude, out of gratitude, can you imagine Somebody comes to your house, they say, we'd like to do a total home makeover and included in it are the works of Monet or Rembrandt, Michelangelo, Da Vinci. They say, well, we just want to hang all these things in your house. Don't have any place to store them. You go, ah, those are too valuable to be in my house. They're, They're not protected here. Well, we put in a new alarm system. If you look on your door, there's a little sign there. It says, Protected by God. And trust me, nobody's going to get them. You were created by God. You're protected by God. You're on display for His glory. You are a masterwork. And that new life that expresses you in your service to the King of kings and to the Lord of lords, the things that you do in this life, are indicative of the hand of the Master at work in you. You then go on to lead other people to Christ. You then go on to serve in the church. You then go on to be a light and to be salt in this world. You see, your light that shines out into the world is actually the hand of the Master at work in you. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Amen? You are a masterpiece. You are a masterwork. And God is very delighted in what he created. And he wants us then to show forth his love, his character, his brilliance, his creativity, his wonder into the world that we walk in. He created those works before you were ever born. He knew you before you ever got here. He knew that we'd be sitting here. you ever thought of that? He knew you'd be sitting here today hearing these words. He prepared all those things beforehand and he did that so that we could walk in them so that we would enjoy being a masterpiece. I pray that you go out today recognizing who you are. You're a masterpiece from God. You are unique. You have amazing purpose while you're here on this earth. And you have opportunities that no other person on the face of the planet has or will ever have. God poured that into you. And he did that by grace, through faith, for good works, so that we could walk in them. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father God, it's almost too good, Lord, to think that out of all of your marvelous, wonderful works that you've ever done, that you look at each of us as a masterpiece. Created, poured out from your heart, Lord, desirous to do great things, wonderful things through our lives. And, Lord, we would ask, God, that as we walk this walk of faith, Lord, as we believe and then go out and act, God, that we'd bring you glory, that we'd bring you honor, that we'd bring you praise. Lord, we're so grateful that you called us by grace and through faith. You even gave us the faith as a gift. How could we possibly ever repay you for making us into who we are in Christ. The only thing that we can do, Lord, is to serve you, and we pray that you'd give us a heart to do exactly that. Lord, take your church, make us into a mighty force that would transform our world for the cause of the gospel. We love you, we praise you, we bless you, we ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. Amen and amen.